The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, bunch of media gigs, bunch of podcasts like the Very popular Even Money podcast. I thought Fantasy Feast podcast yesterday with Joe Dolan and Tom Browley going over the Super Bowl prop bets was awesome. College Draft with Emery is one of my favorites, especially since it's Senior Bowl week. I will talk to the GOAT, Greg Cosell, momentarily about Senior Bowl week a little bit. And then, of course, Andrew Brandt does the terrific Business of Sports podcast here as part of the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. Tomorrow already, we've got new winners. We've got a Spread the Word winner at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. We've got a sponsor confirmation email winner. And I love those of you who take advantage of our sponsors. You guys know how that works. Just set, make sure you send me the email after you do. And ask a question, please. I love answering your questions. And then the YouTube shout out, which is very cool. Love doing those YouTube videos for you. It's Greg Cosell Day. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, Greg. This is a little bit of a unique episode because <laughs> we usually spend most of the time looking forward. But I actually want to spend more of the time looking back at the conference championship games. We'll do a Super Bowl preview early next week where all we do is talk about the matchups for the Super Bowl. But I've got a lot of questions coming out of the conference championship games that I'm hoping you can shed some light on. I also have a couple questions as it relates to the Senior Bowl. But let's start with the game I was at, the AFC Championship game. And I guess the question is, Greg, what adjustments did the Bengals make defensively? I've seen some people say, First half, they were primarily zone. Second half, they were primarily man. I'm just asking you what you saw the difference was between the Chiefs offense, Bengals defense in the first half and the second half. Yeah, and I think there were a couple of differences, uh, which, by the way, I don't think should have caused the uh, the problem that it did, but 
hey, that's the way it went. Um, so in the first half, Ross, the Bengals played almost exclusively zone coverage out of a two shell, meaning two deep safeties. Bates and Bell were the two deep safeties. The coverage was almost all zone. What they did at times is they spied uh, Mahomes. They did that in the first half. Um, they used basically Wilson, the linebacker, or Hubbard as a spy. Uh, if they did play man in the first half, which was not many snaps at all, they matched up Flowers uh, on Kelsey. They would go dime and play man. But for the most part, they were very high percentage split safety zone coverage out of nickel in the first half. That was predominant. So what they did in the second half is they changed. They went to more man coverage, and they brought Von Bell down as a robber right in the middle, uh, maybe 10 to 12 yards uh, from the line of scrimmage. Um, so that was an adjustment they made. Uh, now, I believe they did that because one of the things that the Chiefs do really, really well, and they do it with Tyreek Hill, is they run that over route. And that is a very tough route to defend if you're having an underneath hook defender have to try to carry Hill because normally that underneath hook defender is a linebacker. So now they had Von Bell sitting right in the middle and he was the one who would take away that over route by Hill from the either trip side of the formation or the twin side of the formation. They also rushed three and dropped uh, a, a defensive lineman into coverage at times. They didn't do that all the time at times, and they continued to spy depending on the, the down and distance situation. So that was the adjustment they made. Now, having said that, just my personal opinion from having watched tape for so many years, Ross, I don't think that that should have caused the problem, the problems that it did. And I'll answer it this way. I think we've talked about this. I think Mahomes, and we know he's great, and we know the track record is is great for a quarterback who's only in his fourth year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. But Mahomes has always, always walked a little bit of that fine line between unnecessary, undisciplined, and random movement versus controlled and calculated movement. And when he's controlled and calculated, he is a bear to defend, a bear to defend. When he gets a little undisciplined and random, and that's what happened in this game, he loses sight. He loses his vision. And he had some problems. He even had a problem, actually, on the Kelsey touchdown in the first half where he had Hill wide open within the structure of the play, and he unnecessarily broke down in the pocket and then made a great individual play. But I, that's what the Bengals did. I, I was surprised it caused as much of a problem uh, for the uh, Chiefs as it did. So, in summary, Greg, the Bengals changed something up. Yep. They went from more zone to more man, and it appeared to have confused Mahomes or changed his play but he's seen that defense before. Yeah, of course. You're a little surprised that it affected him as much as it did. Yes, and Andy Reid's seen that before. This is not – first of all, you and I have spoken a lot over the years. I'm not a blueprint guy. No one is showing anything that has never been done before, 
Okay. So maybe you show it with a different player here and there, but it's not as if Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have never seen three man rushes with a, with a defensive lineman dropping out. It's not as if they've never seen a robber coverage. So, it worked in this game, so therefore we say, hey, that was a great adjustment. So you have to say that because it worked. I was just surprised that it caused the problems that it did. Got it. Um, the other thing that jumped out to me was, and this I said this even after the game when I interviewed him, Greg, Joe Burrow's calmness and... I guess his mobility. I, I think, yeah. you know, perhaps we talked last week, if you remember, I believe we talked a little bit about my belief that the Chiefs would play more two-man coverage because of how they got beat by Chase on the outside in the first matchup. Right. And I thought they, they're they not going to let that happen. They'll have two deep safeties, but they still like to play man underneath it. And that Burrow would have to take advantage of it with his legs, what did the tape actually show? What did you see? Yeah, I mean, the, the Bengals were 8 for 14 on third down conversions, and Burrow had four scrambles for first downs on third down. So that was a big factor. Um, you know, their O-line is always an issue, and Burrow obviously compensated and camouflaged that particular weakness on those four scrambles. You know, their three longest pass plays – of the game came on first and second down. They did not have any big pass plays on third down. Um, the Chiefs throughout the game cheated a safety to Chase when he was the boundary X and at times when he was split wide at number one uh, to twins. So he was clearly the focus of the Chiefs coverage. Um, he had a 22-yard catch, but that was off second reaction movement by Burrow. Um, they want to run the ball. I mean, you know, what was interesting about this game is Mixon had 21 carries. 16 of the 21 came on first down. They stayed with the run game. They were not particularly successful with it, but they stayed with it. And they have to stay with it because their O-line can't protect. Um, now, this was not a high percentage blitz game for the Chiefs. They only had seven uh, rushes with five or more, including just one snap of zero. Uh, Spagnolo was more coverage based in his approach. That may have surprised some. It probably surprised me to some degree. So the the Chiefs were not as aggressive as Steve Spagnolo normally is. Man, I got a lot of questions. So first of all, you <laughs> tell me, you're telling me out of the eight third down conversions for the Bengals, Burrow scrambling was half of them. Yes. Wow, that's big. The second thing is the first down runs. That's the best time to throw it for an offensive lineman, Greg. Like well, I agree with that. That's when the defense is thinking it might be run. I, I actually thought they had too many first down runs and that they could have done a better job getting some easy completions and well, getting maybe some bigger gains if they had throw, I mean, it felt like they ran every first down the whole game. And it's funny you say that because their biggest pass play came on the first play of the third quarter which is obviously first and 10, uh, when they came out in 12 personnel, one back and two tight ends, when conventional play action, meaning Burrow was under center, and they went with seven-man pass protection. So they got three doubles. They doubled the two inside defensive tackles. They doubled Ingram. They allowed their 
arguably their best offensive lineman, Jonah Williams, to go one-on-one. And Burrow was totally clean in the pocket. And I'm sure you remember the play. He hit uh, uh, Higgins, uh, who then ran for 44 yards. Um, it would not, We'll get into this next week when we're more focused on the particular matchup in Super Bowl 56. But I, I think that's something they need to do more of because, look, they they start with the run. You know, it's interesting. Both Zach Taylor and Sean McVay sort of come from the same school of thought. And both teams really want to start with the run game. And the Bengals did not give up on the run game in that AFC championship game. Like I said, 16 of Mixon's 21 carries came on first down. Let's get to the NFC championship game. Blank slate, Greg. What what jumped uh, out to you when you brought when when you watched the tape? I'm I'm not steering you in any direction. Right, right. What, what what really what were the notes you took? What was the thing that was most notable about that one? Well, I think the 49ers' inability to run the football was very much a key to the game. The 49ers normally control the pace and tempo of games with the run game. They physically beat defenses. Uh, the defenses front seven. That did not happen in this game. Uh, in fact, the Niners, I believe, only ran 50 offensive plays for their style of play. That's They can't play like that. That's too low a number. Um, you know, you know how the run game often works. I, I, to me, and again, I, I could certainly have missed something because I can't study, you know, I can't watch every play, you know, 12 times. And uh, But there were a lot of just missed one-on-one blocks by the 49ers, uh, whether it was offensive line or even Kittle. And it started on the very first play of the game when Sean Robinson, who, by the way, is a very good player, Ross, and he had a very good game. When Sean Robinson beat Kittle's one-on-one block on the first play of the game and stuck Samuel right at the point of attack for no gain. Um, there were numerous examples of that. Uh, Trent Williams, it could have well been his ankle. You know, high ankle sprains don't heal in a week, and he obviously played a week after he had a high ankle sprain. Uh, he did not look the same to me. He got beat one-on-one quite a bit in the run game. And even in pass protection, he couldn't anchor quite as well. So they had all kinds of issues with controlling the point of attack in the run game. And I think that may well have been the the most important feature of this game because the Niners could not control the pace and tempo of this game. Greg, how do we get here with Cooper Cup? where it feels like he is unstoppable <laughs> and feels like he's having the best season for a wide receiver in NFL history. He's always been good. Of course. What what has happened now where he's unreal? Well, um, I think, look, I'm not going to sit here and say he hasn't individually improved. I don't know that. You know, I mean, I've, I loved Cooper Cup coming out of college. In fact, I said when he came out of college – and it, it, people kept talking about it on Twitter. I said he's the kind of receiver that could roll out of bed and be a great slot receiver. So that's what I said in my notes when he came out of college. So I'm not surprised by his ability to do what he's doing. So I don't know if he's necessarily better. He probably is because you just get better if you work at your craft. But I think this this offense has changed a little bit just in terms of, of run-pass ratio. There's no question Sean McVay wants to run the ball. But I think with Stafford, he believes – that the pass game just opens up so much more with what he can do because he has a quarterback that's highly, highly talented and gifted as a thrower. So, I mean, they throw the ball. Look, in the in the last two playoff games, they had more – Stafford dropped back more than 85 times. 
that's a lot of dropbacks in two games. So I think the numbers are probably a reflection just of, of increased volume in the past game. But, you know, obviously one of the things they do with Cup really, really well is they get him free access off the ball with their their formations, their motions. And when he has free access off the ball, which allows him then to be proactive in how he sets up his routes, I think that really helps. Couple quarterbacks I wanted to ask you about, Greg. Uh, Jimmy G. You know, he had his press conference, Garoppolo, yeah. and said, you know, I'm going somewhere else. Hopefully it's to a winner. Uh, obviously, he's going to have a thumb surgery. You know, yeah. we don't know how much that affected him. But let's say the teams that need a quarterback, I'm just throwing it out there the Bucks, the Saints, whoever, right? Let's say that they're looking for a veteran quarterback, they're interested in Garoppolo, and they say, Greg, what do you think? What, what, what do we need to know about Garoppolo? What kind of player is he? What do you think he could do for us? What would you say? Well, I think the way he, he's used with the Niners is kind of the template. That's what he is, Ross. I think you need a run game as your foundation. You need a good defense. He's a complementary piece. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks like that. You know, there's more like Jimmy Garoppolo than there are, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, those guys. You know, maybe Burrow fits into that category as well. Um, but, you know, I think there's there's more quarterbacks who need, uh, you know, and I hate to use the word system quarterback because every quarterback is a system quarterback. That's how the position is taught. Um, but he needs those other dimensions to be a factor for him to line up and play with consistency. This particular game in the NFC Championship, he missed some throws. He missed some throws that he didn't turn it loose that were there, where the design of the play and the route concept presented the throw, and for whatever reason, it didn't register and he didn't turn it loose. And that, that was a problem in this game because he's not going to beat you on pure physical ability. He's not going to beat you making special throws where you go, wow, he's not going to beat you getting out of the pocket. In fact, when he gets out of the pocket, his vision is poor. Um, so he's he's a pure system player who needs a run game to control the game, and he needs a defense. And you can line up and play with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been in two of the last three NFC Championship games, but that that's a function of other things with, with Garoppolo being you know a part of that. The other guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, Jalen Hurts uh, came out that he's going to have ankle surgery. Yeah. You know, it's impossible for us to know how much it impacted him the last four or five games. When you watch, I, it could be Garoppolo with the thumb, Baker Mayfield with the shoulder, Hurts with the ankle. And in particular, I'm asking about Hurts right now. Could you tell, Greg, can you tell – that it affects these guys and affects their performance, or not really? No, you, I can't. I, I, I truly can't. So I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know how to answer that because I can't. No, that's um, fine. That, yeah, that, that I, is I, the I answer. Can't, I can't tell that. I mean, you know, I think the Eagles and we. I mean, it can't help. <laughs> no, you know, of course. But look, Ross, you played seven years, right? You said you yeah, seven years. You know, a lot of guys are injured or hurt, and you have to play. And again, I'm not I'm not knocking that or minimizing it. I obviously did not play. I don't know what it's like to wake up on Monday morning after a game or get to Friday and still feel like, man, that, that really hurts. And I got to play Sunday, but I don't feel particularly good. I can't I can't speak personally to that. 
But, you know, I think pretty much every coach and every player, and you could answer this better than I could, if you're out there, you know, in other words, if, if you're starting on Sunday, no one cares that, oh, maybe your ankle isn't 100%, right? No one cares. you got to go out and perform. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about the quarterbacks in this year's draft. Uh, guys like Pickett and Willis and Strong. Uh, my question is very simple, Greg. Do you watch the Senior Bowl practices? Do you care about the Senior Bowl practices? Should we care about yeah. practices? Because it gets a lot of discussion on social media. All the evaluators are down there. They're all talking about practice and how this guy is throwing it. Unless I'm mistaken, you're still not allowed to hit the quarterback in those practices, which always, to me, makes it least relevant for that position. Yeah, I, I do not watch the practices because I'm working, Ross. I mean, this is the week we produce our Super Bowl matchup pieces and segments, uh, and then we shoot the NFL matchup show, the Super Bowl uh, show on site. So, you know, that'll happen next week. But this is the week. So this is a normal week for me, a normal 70-hour week. So I am not uh, watching the senior ball practices. Uh, everybody I've spoken to says it's a piece of the puzzle. You know, I think every I think you're going to get that answer from every personnel guy and every coach that it's a piece. Different guys probably ascribe different values to it. Um, we live in a social media world now where every single rep and that this is true in training camps as well, is then put on social media as if it's world changing and defining for that player. You know, I struggle with that. I mean, I've already watched five. First of all, I watched Kenny Pickett in 2019 and 2020, but I've already watched five full games of, in 2021 and all his third down dropbacks. I personally would put far more stock in that than I would in senior ball practices. With Malik Willis, for instance, I've also watched uh, one, two, three, four, uh, six full games of Malik Willis from 2021. And I also watched him last year. Carson Strong, I've watched seven games in 2021. And I also watched him last summer from 2020. I personally would put far more stock in that than I would some throws at, you know, at the senior ball practices. But maybe that's just me. No, I would as well. Absolutely. Check him out on social media at Greg Cosell. He is the civilian goat. He will be on early next week for an epic Super Bowl preview. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. You know why Greg's so awesome? Well, I don't know this, but I'm guessing it's because he takes athletic greens. Listen, Everybody, it seems like, is taking athletic greens right now. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Look, it helps with your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, your gut health. I don't think any of us really eat enough vegetables, right? I mean, do we? Uh, probably not. It costs less than 3 bucks a day. The founder was having a bunch of stomach issues. So rather than doing a complicated supplement routine to recover, which cost him $100 a day, he created Athletic Greens. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Ross. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Ross to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Takes. Hey, Ross, good morning. Well, let's start with the biggest news from yesterday, and that's uh, former head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Hugh Jackson, claiming that he was also offered money to lose games. Right, that would be by Browns owner Jimmy Haslam. I think he said that the GM at the time, Sashi Brown, the assistant GM, Andrew Barry, who's now the GM, that that they were also offered that money or received that money. So we'll see if he joins the lawsuit, and we'll see what evidence they have. I also saw a report where I think NFL Network said that they talked to somebody who heard Stephen Ross say that to Brian Flores. You know, I, I don't. I have no idea about the legal stuff, right? Like Stephen Ross could say he was joking, and then how do you argue that he wasn't joking? Or not? I, I don't know how any of that stuff works. I really don't. Uh, it's a bad, bad look for the NFL. That's all I know. Really bad if there are owners incentivizing coaches to lose. Tuck takes. There are reports out that uh, the Minnesota Vikings are going to hire Rams OC Kevin O'Connell as their next head coach, which means Jim Harbaugh back to Michigan. Right. So what's interesting about that, well, a couple of things are interesting. If you guys saw our tweets, at Ross Tucker Pod, at Ross Tucker NFL, I was kind of joking about this. But of course, as soon as Harbaugh realizes he's not getting the Vikings job, you know, it leaks that he called Michigan to say, I want to stay. Yeah, dude. Because you found out you weren't getting the job. I mean, I don't think he would have gone on the interview to Minnesota on National Signing Day if he didn't want the job. But when he found out they were going to give it to Kevin O'Connell, I think that's when he made the call. And I think for a first-year GM um, like Quezzy, I got to remember his whole last name, but uh, Quezzy, my my guy from Princeton, that's his first name. Um, I guess I just think... He wanted to start with someone anew like Kevin O'Connell as opposed to Harbaugh who got in that, you know, that power struggle with Trent Baalke out in San Francisco. I don't think that's something that a new GM wants to have to deal with, doesn't think that'll be the case with O'Connell. And let's be honest, you know, the Shanahan, McVay, LaFleur, Zach Taylor, you know, that sort of tree is having a lot of success right now. It's hard not to argue with taking a guy from there. By the way, Kevin O'Connell was once at the broadcasting boot camp. Didn't know after his career was done what he wanted to do. He was at the broadcasting boot camp. He actually called the Army football games for one year, did Kevin. Now he's the head coach of Minnesota. And this is like, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. Now he's the head coach of Minnesota Vikings. Pretty cool. Pretty awesome for him. Tuck takes. You and Greg touched on it. Um Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts having surgery on an ankle injury that hampered him through the last few games of that season. Right. So Jalen, you know, I thought that was noticeable. I thought he could not run as well or move as well as he had earlier. And I do think that should on some level be part of the evaluation. A, that he played through it for the most part, but B, that he did get hurt and he did miss a game as a result, but that he was only able to miss one and play through it. 
and how it affected him. I think one of the questions you have to ask is, how often is that going to happen to him? I don't think he got hurt very much in college, so I think it might be sort of a one-off. I do want to get to an email question, Bri, but first, I got to make sure you guys take a long, hard look at myfrontpagestory.com for Valentine's Day. Speaking of a one-off, right, I know what most of you do. You get a gift card or flowers or chocolate or take your wife out to dinner. That's fine. You can honestly do that stuff too. But I really recommend totally surprising her, totally blowing her away, doing something totally unique and different, and getting a story written about her from myfrontpagestory.com. It is so awesome the way it hangs in the house. And it's like a constant reminder to her that you went out and did something really special and unique and had a story written about her that looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It is awesome. Myfrontpagestory.com. Email time. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address is always ross at rostucker.com. We try to get to all your email questions. We guarantee we get to it if you take advantage of any of the sponsors. Athletic Greens, LinkedIn, 100 Flowers, My Front Page Story, whoever it is, we guarantee we'll read and respond to it. Thomas asks uh, the question today, Ross, I want to know why the NFL has the illegal man downfield penalty. I hate the call and don't understand it at all. Well, Thomas, uh, it would be anarchy if they didn't have that call. It would be impossible to play defense. You would have ineligible players downfield. Are you saying they're allowed to block Thomas down the field or not? But what do you do if you're on defense and all of a sudden, you know, the defense only rushes three guys. All of a sudden, the left guard's running down in the middle of the field. Well, then the defenders think they need to cover him. I mean, it's just – it's anarchy. You know, you, you have to have some limitation on who can be eligible for a pass downfield. And if you're not eligible for a pass downfield, you can't have those guys downfield muddying the waters or blocking. So that's the, that's the rule is there are, you know, up to five eligible players on every snap. And then there's five that are ineligible on the line of scrimmage. You're allowed to be a yard, yard and a half downfield. But once you get further downfield than that, it really, it's not good for a lot of reasons. But especially, it makes it incredibly hard to play defense. And it could even be dangerous if they're actually blocking downfield while the quarterback's back to pass. You're looking at the quarterback trying to read his eyes. All of a sudden, boom, the guard hits you. Or he drive it runs by you and you think, oh, I gotta cover I'm in zone coverage, I gotta cover that guy. But no, you don't. So it's a good rule. I, I understand why you don't like it. It's frustrating when they call it on your team, but it's a good rule. I think they should be a little bit more lax in calling it in some instances, but it's ultimately a good rule. Shout outs. Humanheadnyc.com. Vision Comics with an X. Sporticulture. Pizza Boy Brewing. Steakhousesports.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.
A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 